Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers. This is Amos from Death of Kings. Hi, this is Heather Michelle from Grave Shadow. This is Drog from Winter Hymn, and you're listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. We're traveling down the Sulphur Road today in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm pleased to be joined by Mariah Hayes of Melodic Black Metalers Chaotica. Mariah, thanks so much for joining us on the Great Metal Debate. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, we're here in St. Louis at Foo Bar and what is the first night of a multi-state run out toward the West Coast for Chaotica. How exciting is it for you to be back on the road again? Oh, very much so. You know, once you hit the stage once in your life, you just have that craving for the rest of your life. <laughs> so it's, it's inevitable. You have to play a show period. And the last time Chaotica went out on an extended tour, you were churning up the East Coast, sharing the stage with Death Thrasher's Yesterday's Saints and American Pagan Metal Bandits, Winterham, quite a varied lineup. Uh, what was that tour experience like? It was great. You know, the variety of music was what made it so interesting because, uh, and uh, by the way, we, we don't play black metal. We have a lot of influences, but uh, it's really hard to put it in the shell because music is definitely influenced by black metal. But then with my vocals and with a lot of thrash, uh, you know, little uh, inserts and, uh, and rock and roll, heavy metal and everything put together, it's really hard to put it in the particular genre so then we have yesterday saints who actually uh, they have death metal parts uh, black metal parts and some uh, hardcore parts to it and then we have winterham which is you know perfect uh, power metal with uh, with pagan uh, viking stuff it was just such a great bunch and everybody was on a completely different uh, mindset so even just the exchange of conversations we had it was just fantastic and the guys like everybody is so was so outgoing and it you know it was so fun to hang out and just uh, laugh at each other's jokes because everybody is different so it was just it was great time i really miss them so much in fact we were just talking about them the moment we just arrived for the first show to play <laughs> beyond the camaraderie and uh, the difference in talking music did you find that you were able to maybe see some fans and share your music with folks who might not have come out to a Chaotica show before? Oh, you know what? I think that, first of all, playing live shows, I know that people are like, oh, no, you have to do it for yourself and screw the others. You know what? If you are on, if you want to go out live, you do it for the fans. And every time they show up and, you know, trying to support, it's that's the whole reason to keep going with that. And it's, it's they, they're not fans, really. They just become friends or, you know, they become us because you know when they listen to us and they they show that they actually appreciate it it all makes sense so i really hate to call anybody fans i I hate that i really do so it's it's a great feeling to have somebody chanting with you even without knowing your songs but just showing that that music you know touches them so that's the most important like completely most important Let's talk a little bit about the history of the band. When was Chaotica formed, and what was the initial concept? Uh, the, Chaotica was formed uh, when I just moved to Atlanta from Chicago. I was previously in a uh, in a heavy metal band uh, when I was in Chicago, which we can we don't need to touch basics on. It really does not matter. So uh, the same year, uh, I knew I have to start something over and something uh, darker uh, that does not necessarily have any particular shape or current something that will be just done by the feeling that's why it's really hard to put it you know in a particular genre because i wanted to make it 
what do you feel? Put it in music. If you feel uh, melancholic, put something balladic. If you feel like you just want to kill the world, just put something, I don't know, some death metal type of uh, rhythms in it. So, um, yeah, it's it started uh, in 2000. Uh, oh, my goodness. What, what year do we have? 17? Yeah, so in 2014. And um, uh, it was shaping over a year. And then in 2015, um, the first tour we went on just um, did not work out quite well. So, But that was our first tour in particular. So that was the beginning of the Attica. Did you grow up in a musical uh, home background? Uh, actually, not, not really. Uh, uh, the funny thing is that I, I grew up in a very Catholic uh, family in, back in Poland. So I think uh, because of that and because of everything I did not like about it was just building up as this whole anger. you know. So that was the push for me as an early teenager, as a 12-year-old, I think, that I... Uh, was just amused by looking at, not amused, but really influenced by seeing people, you know, wearing uh, different colors. So different, because there was not really black metal in Poland back then. It was more, uh, uh, I suppose, just metal overall. And there was a lot of punks and a lot of skinheads. So, um, you know, and then black metal just grew, grew over the time. But um, uh, I guess in my childhood, it was not that big. But still, to have that influence, see the freedom of music, that's what pushed me. So it really started in... When I was about 12, and uh, I was in an industrial gothic band uh, first, uh, yeah, back in Poland. Um, so we recorded an EP, and then um, it was just dragging because we were trying to figure out how to get it live, etc. So, but then uh, after I went uh, through high school um, and decided to go to college, uh, the same year I moved to America. So we could not continue with that band, but I had to do something. So uh, in Chicago, I was found actually by a uh, local heavy metal band. So it just it was just progressing, you know, from gothic to heavy metal, and now we're all going all the way to all those darkness and uh, yeah. So it's, it's I guess it's just the development of your uh, musical path of you know, and it's definitely not the end of a different you know occurrence. I do have one question going back to Hessler days. Our podcast, The Great Metal Debate, is a debate between '80s metal guy and more <laughs> modern metal. You've kind of lived in both those worlds. Do you think that there's ever can there be a bridging between those worlds, or are they really trying to accomplish two different things? I don't want to sound uh, just like, uh, what's his face, uh, Simmons from uh, from Kiss, because he's just getting way too dramatic with his, uh, you know, uh, old metal is dead type of comments. But it's really, really hard to top, you know, 80s music, 70s music. I'm a huge Dio uh, fan, you know, so to me... He is him and actually Freddie Mercury are my biggest influences in vocal. And then from 80s, I mean, you just cannot deny Maiden or Priest or Motorhead. Period. You know. My co-host is going to crush me over this response because that's that's what he thinks. Yeah, yeah because I mean, I I, I love the fact uh, that you know so many musicians are trying to come up with different sorts of music, but there's uh, say whatever you want, but there will never be the same anthems ever. I mean, we can do whatever we want, but uh, we always get back to what happened before how it was you know and even Metallica how big they are but they're still not gonna get as far I'm sorry to say but it's true they're never going to be Judas Priest period nobody's going to say I'm gonna die for Metallica and for Judas Priest I'll, I'll tell you there will be a ton <laughs> so yeah and uh, so it's it's a progression of music and now I think what is really messing up the scene per se scene is because there's so many bands now so it's really hard
hard to pick if, if somebody really has something to offer because we're just floated with all those bands. And I'm guilty of that too because I just do what I love and there is many people like me, you know? So, and back in the day, there was not nearly as many. Um, so it was uh, what was given that was loved and uh, that's why people have so much respect because they only had a pool of maybe five to ten bands to choose from, from the, you know, um, from dark sounds and... Uh, yeah, and so it was a perfect timing, and um, I, but I have to say I'm I'm sticking with the '80s, and yeah, that's, that's that's an answer. All right, uh, let's talk for a moment about your most recent release, the debut full-length album, The Flame Unleashed, which came out in 2015. Looking back, how pleased are you with this initial offering? Uh, when you actually make it, you think it is um, somewhat how you wanted to make it, but then really the moment we were about to release it, we were like, okay, we should have changed this and that. But then on the other hand, I don't think there's a musician that uh, is absolutely 100% pleased with their album. So I'm trying to give that benefit of a doubt, I suppose. But uh, that was our first one, you know, so we are still super fresh and uh, first year really. And it was with, after such a traumatic, really, event that happened, it was just, we we're just trying to make um, a statement that we are not dead and we're just going to continue no matter what happened but uh um from this point i would have i would probably redo everything in that album but but that's what started it and that was uh genuine you know that was raw and uh and that's how it was meant to be so um that's why i think actually that fans come back always to the very first releases and always compare that with the newer uh, more uh processed and more you know uh, detailed um albums but then I, I catch myself on the same thing i always go back to the early uh works even same with priest with maiden same thing you know so and then when people are asking me about the compare paul diano to bruce dickens like, okay that's unfair <laughs> so because their first ones are always the ones that suck with me so much you know and i always come back to the first one so same thing with us i think that uh, uh, even that is not perfect, it will still be our first one, how we started. I totally agree with what you said earlier about how you guys uh, really can't be pigeonholed into, you're certainly not classic black metal, but I do think that you have somewhat of a European sound. Is that intentional or is that just, it, does that just come out from your influence? Um, uh, to be quite honest, I do not write music, So, uh, but given who I work with, the guys are definitely influenced by European uh, black metal um, and other bands, of course, um, from thrash and death. But uh, most of what we listen to is European because as much as we actually do have a strong black metal in uh, in America, for example, give Nightbringer, uh, one of the best ones here. But uh, Europe has something that everybody is uh, getting influenced, whether we like it or not. So I would say that it's probably because it's most of the what they listen to. Yeah. On your initial uh, EP, Bloodline Empire, you had a cover from Watain's They Wrote On. How, why did you decide to go with that cover? Uh, first of all, Watain made a huge impact on me, but clearly I am I will never be able to replicate uh, Eric's vocals because I cannot growl. But uh, um to me, it was more of a tribute to uh, how much they mean to me. And, uh, you know, They Wrote On is the only one that is really saying all the way through. And uh, the, the lyrics uh, are the most important to me. It's, it's the journey of your freedom, really, you know. And over everything I've been through with my life, um, it just felt like it's almost storytelling of something that I was a part of, which I really, I'm pretty sure that most of fans feel the same way. And uh, so this was just uh, for the release of the first 100 um, uh, EP of, of the 100 uh, CDs. And uh, then we just dropped it because that's that was the agreement with Mawatain actually, because, yeah, because first uh, I told them that I just want to make a tribute. And uh, so they were actually pleased to hear that. 
And I told them that it's going to be very limited and it's just done from the heart because it's so meaningful. Now, I understand maybe there's a story about you and Watain, something about them returning a trailer to you. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My husband actually works in taxidermy, and uh, he puts together, well, we, I guess, put together um, their stage of sets. So um, all the props that you can see with the skeletons and stuff. Um, I, I love your questions. Nobody has ever asked that. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a question. Oh yeah, oh, I, that makes sense. Yeah, so oh, we were in a very good relationship with them. Um, uh, so right after their tour, uh, when Watain well, returned our van, uh, the trailer, they left uh, a few surprises. So there was a, <laughs> there was a case with um, we did not actually know what they just said dispose it uh, on the way when you go whatever it's like, okay fine and then of course i'm too curious so we're on the way and we opened it and that stench was i'm pretty sure that it was like for 10 miles people were just dying around uh you know because their fans are bringing them not only uh bones that are clear but the actual like chopped off heads you know big heads and blood and stuff so we had no idea i mean we had no idea that it's in there we clearly know what they bring and we just didn't know what surprise they left us and yeah so for the whole tour it was I mean, there, I'm used to that because of, you know, working with that. But God, and that was three months straight, just closed lock. So it was just like a fermented blood in there with the rotting and, you know, uh, with a bunch of uh, little worms. It was just gross. It was the grossest thing ever. But it was also so amusing because they just probably, that's why they didn't want to tell us what it was. They just they just said to dispose of the box. So. That's quite a road story. I don't think I've heard one like that. In addition to your vocal duties for Chaotica, you have some other projects, including a magazine. Tell us about Via Omega. Oh, yeah. I see that that goes from Winterham, too. I love these guys. Uh, <laughs> well, um, um, being a stay-at-home mother, uh, I figured that since I really want to be with my child throughout the whole day, but I also want to work. So to me, to uh, to make something uh, with my time, because I just cannot sit you know, and do nothing, so... Uh, aside of making art, I just wanted to do something that I will, I will feel like work, you know, but it will be also a pleasure. So there is nothing better to work with art and music. So Via Omega, as, as well as my Darkadia books um, that I do, uh, it is a frequent, it's, it's nonstop working with bands and, and artists and, uh, you know, doing um, a lot of stuff that uh, other magazines don't want to cover because they, you know, they don't get paid for that, you know, because Black Veil Brides will pay them. But for example, the band that just rose up, but they sound so much better, they don't deserve to be there and i am in support of on the underground and i always will be so you know i, I thought it was needed and it just keeps me truly occupied and, and now it became uh, something uh, a big thing in the underground and it's uh, respected and appreciated which which pretty much which means the world to me so it's, it's all worth it really so yeah the nights are i'm spending on work and the day with my girl i think it's just cool bringing back the old school hard copy magazine i remember back in the day showing my age how i used to love to get those and i love that you're bringing a, a new fresh spin to that definitely and you know even the quality really matters because it's collectible and i don't put uh, um you know like too much advertising just friends to help them out and nowadays it's just very very thin paper with very terrible print and full and like a little half of advertising and there's not much information that people actually want to read and i just want to bring back what was before what i remember from my childhood.
I've seen on social media that you brought some throwing knives with you on tour. How did you get interested in that? Uh, you know, uh, I've been throwing knives since I was 18, and uh, that was my sort of a release, I suppose. And then uh, ever since I moved to America, it just, just uh, you know, when you get busy with your life, you just forget about that. And um, then when I wanted to get back to that, uh, we had an accident, and my hand, my hand was chopped off, so I didn't really have much of the feeling in it. So it took a while for my hand to be, um, you know, to, to be able, to, I'm sorry, to hold that, to have that grip, um, to, you know, get precise. And uh, so now finally when I'm uh, being able to maneuver with my hand, so I was like, okay, I have to do something. And I love that feeling because, you know, uh, it just makes you feel like a total badass, even if you're a girl. And also, you know, it, it's a sort of a protection, like even if you never use it going somewhere, but it just makes you feel protected. So it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. The photos I saw on Instagram were a little intimidating, I'll be honest. Oh, good. Then it's good. <laughs> Switching topics with you, Lariah. Chaotica hails from Atlanta. Tell me a little bit about the challenges of being in a metal band in the southeastern U.S., where Atlanta is a big city, but big stretches of the Bible Belt there. I cannot get used to that. I, I am definitely not a southern person, so to me it's just a huge uh, claustrophobic <laughs> thing to be around. And we are uh, anywhere I move in Atlanta, I've been uh, within two years, three years, uh, we've moved three times. And every single time we move, there's more churches around than the actual houses, you know, so it's not as intimidating, not the knife. So especially when people are just judging you immediately when they just look at you, but then you're like asking them, is everything okay? That we go, oh, no, 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 everything is okay. So I, I just hate that hypocrisy. Um, but uh, no, uh, there is a ton of great bands, actually, in Atlanta. Um, I have to admit that in both Chicago and Atlanta, the metal scene are really strong. But with Chaotica, we did not start with Atlanta because my uh, I started to go first where um, we've already built um, fan base with my previous band. So, you know, so it was Chicago, St. Louis, in fact, as well, um, Colorado, uh, and just going all the way west where I've already covered those uh, parts. And in Atlanta, in order to book a show, it's really hard uh, because it you really have to have connections. And I never had any. So it was hard to book anything because nobody knows you and nobody doesn't, you know, nobody knows how much people you draw. So we played the first time in Atlanta a year after we already played everywhere else. So we've played 18 states before we played our hometown. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's just the way how you start before, um, you know, being a small band, you just need to first target um, states and cities that you've been doing before. So, Beginning to wrap up with you tonight, when this run of dates is over, what's next for the band? And the obvious question, when can fans expect a follow-up to The Flame Unleashed? Uh, that's a very good question uh, because uh, most likely we will take a break. I'm um, not quite sure for how long. And the reason why is because we have a lot to do. And uh, two of our members are now together. They have a little baby. And they are, you know, they live, they live in Virginia and they're trying to establish, uh, you know, their relationship uh, and, you know, new family. So it's very challenging. And, uh, um, you know, even having help uh, with a baby, it's still two of them taken off for the whole tour, you know, means no work, no money, right? So it's it's really hard. And then uh, um, my second guitarist is also at school, um, at college, so he has two more years to finish his master's degree. And then uh, my drummer, uh, he, well, I mean, he's the only one that is always up for anything. But, uh, yeah, but then on the other hand, uh, I guess everybody is just getting too much of the personal things and also other projects, too, that, you know, uh, it's, it's really hard to balance and so it's really hard to tell exactly when um, 
But uh, we'll, with Marco and Austin, uh, we will be uh, making a side project while the other two will be taking care of their personal stuff. Yeah, so we'll continue just with the different band for now, and uh, we'll see about the future of Chaotica. But um, no, definitely we'll be updated. <laughs> well, finally, how can fans learn more about Chaotica, and where can they go to purchase music and merchandise from the band, including your album, The Flame Unleashed? Uh, it's just easy. It's just on the website, www.chaotica.com, spelled with both Ks. And don't ask me why, because I have no idea at this point. You know, I think that when I was uh, thinking before, uh, because I've seen uh, too many bands with chaos spelled with C, I figured, well, screw that. I still want to continue with that, uh, chaos because it's a part of my life. But to not make it confusing, I, I'll do it with K's, and everybody keeps asking. So long story short, go to our website, chaotica.com. <laughs> Well, I am excited to see you guys tonight. I've heard good things about you all from some tour mates of your alls and really looking forward to this show. And uh, best of luck to you guys on this upcoming tour. Thank you very much for having us. And, uh, and for everybody that listens, uh, thank you for uh, listening to the radios because not many people do. And uh, you are making the difference in metal scene and continue to support your radio stations.